You found us through fly fishing. You'll stay for our passion and the community. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing podcast. Yeah, but he doesn't get it. How come fly fishermen don't get it? You only haul with the short power snap. Look for where people walk and the insides of bends and hunt those. The roof blew off and the interior walls got sucked out and the trees are just coming up. And I mean, he's clearly not going to clear the trees. It is not a fly fishing story. It's a story about me trying to understand my brother through fly fishing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Before we get started, quick word from our sponsor, Smitty's Fly Box, delivering monthly flies, fly materials, and accessories each month with their Smitty's Subscription Fly Box. Smitty's has been producing high-quality flies and materials for over 30 years, so now it's time to take the guesswork out of fly time materials and patterns. You can support this podcast right now and get a great selection of flies and fly time materials right now at Smitty's Fly Box. That's Smitty's, S-M-I-T-T-Y-S, smittysflybox.com. We've been waiting for you. Follow our guests, follow us on Instagram, and share this episode and the love if you enjoy this podcast. And we are live in three, two, one. How you doing, Carl? I'm doing great. Yeah, surprise. I'm like, what am I doing here on like a fly fishing podcast? So Yeah, that's what I love. I love that. That's the answer <laughs> I want because you know the great thing is, is we're more than a fly fishing podcast. I think that sure. I always use the quote, people have heard it a lot, but the riches are in the niches. You know, you kind of start out niche down and then you kind of expand out as you take over the world. And you know, we have a, we have a lot of listeners that are actually you know, into backpacking, into hunting, into all this other stuff outdoor related. So I always love to get a guest like yourself on. I mean, you, we actually started our podcast at a similar timing and right. I want to dig into just because you've inter- all, interviewed all these great guests. I want to get some insight from you so we know how to do a better, put together a better backpacking trip. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Does that sound okay for you? That sounds great. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's, I, I like to start back on just kind of how you got into this because I know the podcasting is a lot of work. So first, let's jump into your backpacking. What, what's your first, uh, have you been doing this your whole life since uh, since you were a little kid or how'd you get into this? Oh, yeah. So not since I was a little kid. I, I didn't have, the, I, my parents were not the the backpackers or the outdoors people. Like I always thought it was fun to go camping, but we didn't go camping very often. And it was really probably out of jealousy, to be honest, where we, I don't know, it's, I had some high school friends who always talked about going to Yosemite and these great Yosemite trips, and, and I wasn't invited. And so I thought, well, I want to go. And so <laughs> um, so anyway, so, when, so I guess it was my senior year, I put together the trip, and I invited a bunch of my friends, and they all went. We all had a great time, and we got to this trailhead. We did this hike called Half Dome, which is pretty popular in Yosemite. And I hadn't ever done a big hike before. I was like a basketball guy. And so, and it turned out really well. And I, I thought it was great. But this trailhead, anyway, at Happy Isles had like, you know, all these distances for these different hikes. And this is the start of the John Muir Trail. And at the very bottom was like Mount Whitney, 210 miles away. Wow. And I looked at my buddies. I was like, Psh, 210 miles. Who's hiking 210 miles? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and so, um, so then when I, then I kind of like, you know, spurred on the the process of researching and figuring out, Oh, this is like actually a thing. And oh. so I, I guess that's kind of my origin story there. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So Yosemite has been cool because it's been kind of quite a bit. I just, um, 
we had a, a episode on you know Yosemite like some uh, guides there, and then we also had um, there's a bunch of stuff with like Hetch Hetchy and some conservation. We had an episode, but I mean essentially that is one of the great places to mountain climb, but also hiking, right? I mean, now are you close to that area? Where, where are you at now? Yeah, so I'm in Colorado right now. I grew up Southern California area, and so yeah, and then I moved to Colorado about 17 years ago. So now. We still, I don't know, I still got buddies there. So we, we have like our annual backpacking trip where we get together and we, we usually hit up Yosemite every few years and go back there. And yeah, I was actually just there, I don't know what, like three, four weeks ago. So yeah. Nice. Right on. Yep. Right. Well, so the podcast, I always love to start there as well, because I know how hard it is to do a podcast and you've, we actually started a very similar time. You're doing this weekly and you're doing a lot of content. How, how did this start? Tell us the start and then how do you keeping it going here? The origin story of the podcast. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how podcasts start. We, so, okay. So this is like 2017 and I don't know. I don't know what you were looking for in podcasts at the time, but I was looking for, I, I'm a podcast listener. I love yeah, podcasts. Yeah. And so when I was looking for, for content like backpacking related content or outdoor content, and I searched around, not only was there not very much out there at the time, but what was out there, I didn't find it very good or entertaining. And so I got a buddy who's a character, my co-host, Derek, and we were in the back of our minivan, like on our way back from Glacier National Park after a backpacking trip. We started talking podcasts and I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to start a podcast. And without hesitation, he's like, yeah, I'd do it with you. (laughs) I was like, really? Okay. (laughs) Um, That's a pretty big commitment. But um, yeah, so if, you know, I had to do the research a few months later, we we got it rolling and then we're like, okay, we just have to be better than whatever's out there. And so, um, and then, yes, that's That's kind of how it started. We've been going ever since. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. We've met a lot of great folks and just the, you know, the outdoor community is just filled with amazing, amazing people. And we've been blessed to continue to meet them like consistently throughout the years. Yeah, that's it. And when you're going through your episodes, I mean, how do you do that when you're topic-wise finding guests? How do you choose what's coming up next? Are you guys scheduling things out or how's that look? Mm. Oh, like like pull back the curtain kind of question yeah. here. Yeah, let's yeah. see. Let's so, take a sp- yeah. <laughs> okay, so so my my buddy Derek, he's he's so much fun. We we I mean, we had years of of backlog podcasting to talk about, but we kind of burned through that in the first couple of years. And he has two special needs kids at home. So he doesn't go backpacking very often. He goes really just like once a year at most. And that's if there's no like, you know, family emergencies or whatever. So in the last couple of years, I've realized, okay, we can't generate stories if he's not actually going. And so we've had to kind of switch to more of like a guest-based show. And so we're just looking for people that we find interesting and that we want to talk to and that could be somebody, you know, with a really big audience, hundreds of thousands of people. Like we had um, Brooke Whipple, Girl in the Woods on our show. She was on the show alone, if you're familiar with that TV show. And uh, yeah, she was amazing. But then we've had folks on who, you know, we're just getting going on YouTube and they've been great too. So just whoever, yeah, we just want to have engaging conversations that entertain and hopefully where people can kind of come away and learn something. Nice. And overall, these episodes, I think, are you, you're close to, are you like 350 or something like that? Where are you at now? For our numbers, yeah, or for total episodes. Yeah, total yeah, episodes. No, no, we were talking before the show. Like we're literally like half, half of you. Yeah, you're half. I think we're approaching because you're approaching 500, right? Yeah, we are. 
Okay, so we're, we're around 250. Oh, 250, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there you go. So You've perfect. You've doubled our production. We've doubled, but but it's not just me. It's not just me. I've got <laughs> multiple people helping. If it was just me, I would be, at sa- I'm sure, the same place. But um, so out of all those episodes, I mean, I always think back, like, what's our kind of favorite or what ones stick out? Do, you, do they all blend together now, or do you still remember exactly every episode number and all mm. that stuff? I want to know your answer to this question, <laughs> but yeah, I... I feel like I heard you ask that somebody else on one of your shows. They don't blend together. I definitely, okay, so they definitely stick out. And when I look at the titles, I can tell you exactly what we talked about in the episodes. That being said, we'll get folks, uh, probably like you, where they go back two, three years and they're like, in episode 75, when you said such and such, can you please provide the source of information that you use to um, support your thesis there? I'm like, <laughs> wow. <"Wah."> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I literally got that email this week and I was Holy like, cow. uh, I don't remember specifically saying that, but yeah, I mean, I think generally, yeah, like the, each episode is, is something you work hard on and you produce and hopefully it turns out the way you want it to. And yeah, and, and you know, something you can be proud of. And so, yeah, I, I like each and every one. And I don't know, like you, you got double though. Like, how are you with that? Do they blend or do you know them all? Yeah, they, well, they, for the first like 200, that's why I kind of asked that again, because the first 200 or so, I remembered exactly. Like if anything came up, I would say, oh yeah, it was episode 189. And now- after, Oh, that's specific. Wow. Yeah. I would remember everything for the first couple hundred, but, and maybe I'm getting a little older too now, but you know, it's just now that we're at 500, it all is just, you know, I mean, cause we're doing three a week now too. So it's just, right. it's a lot. The issue is like, like the, where I have to really be mindful is I don't want to ever duplicate a topic right. or just- you know, you don't want to re- repeat or, um, no, you I don't, don't know. So that's where, and I think I made that mistake a couple times where I was like, oh, it's not the same, but it's similar enough where I should have, I should have known better anyway. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I know. And I, I think that's one thing I don't think I do. I do kind of know all those topics. So I kind of have that in my head Okay, for the most part. And I'm not too worried about that because I know some of these topics people, you know, forget about, and then we can expand. And I've had multiple, the same guest on multiple times. Some guests I've had on three times. Oh yeah. So yeah getting... You got to get the good ones back on, right? Like exactly. <laughs> that's the good stuff. So yeah. And then remember what they said the first couple times. Today's episode is sponsored by Togan's Fly Shop, who provides superior quality products at an affordable price. An amazing resource for fly tying materials, tools, and fishing accessories. Since 2005, Togans has been over-delivering on price, service, and passion. And now, you can check out that Togans buzz for yourself. Right now, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash Togans to get started. That's T-O-G-E-N-S. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Togans online. So, well, I want to dig into a little bit. You've had a bunch of great episodes on just, you know, a bunch on gear and kind of mistakes to avoid. I mean, a lot of people listening here, some people maybe haven't done a lot of these major backpacking trips. And I know the ultralight, since I've, you know, was doing a lot of backpacking trips, things have gotten a lot lighter and, and all that. So I'd love to talk gear a little bit, but maybe do you want to start with kind of some mistakes? Maybe before we get there, talk about your backpacking. Are you somebody who's out there? How often are you doing these trips? Are you like, do you like the long, super long trips, short trips? What do you like here? Yeah. I mean, I've got kids, so I can't do the super long trips at this point. So I'm typically out there, I would say like five, five trips a year. And I try to hit different areas. So typically four to five different States and usually at least two of them, maybe three of them involve my family, whether it's like whole family with other families going, or I'm bringing my kid along on a trip or something like that. But yeah, so four to five trips and, um, usually one in Colorado, you know, let's see, we hit Wyoming. I mentioned Yosemite, California this year. We actually were up in Banff, Canada, uh, for one of our trips. And so, yeah, we try to, yeah, we try to get 
a diversity of areas while still hitting like epic scenery. That's kind of our goal. Oh, right. So, yeah. And you're in a pretty epic area. Where, where are you at in Colorado? So I'm in a place called Castle Rock. Uh, it's like, uh, was it 30 minutes south of Denver? We we actually ranked in, um, what was it? Trail Runner Magazine as being like one of the top um, trail running towns in the nation. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. For those go. who like to hit the trail a lot, um, check it out. Yeah. That's another thing. That's another one of my passions, but I haven't done much of it lately. I love trail running. I, I had a, uh, I remember I was getting into it so much. I was like, all right, I, I did a, like a half marathon. Okay. Sort of like thing. on the trail. Yeah, I did a trail. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was the name of the race? Uh, it was out, this was a while ago, but it was out on, um, kind of the coast. It was a really tiny race. I think it was called the, um, I want to say it was like the LC trail run or something like that, but it was, it okay. was just a really small kind of trail race, but that's what I like. Yeah. And it was yeah. really awesome. Again, same thing with like the kids and stuff. It's just to train and take, you know, and it was just tough. So I haven't done it as much, but again, these are like the things with the outdoors, all these activities. I love everything, you know, and mm-hmm. backpacking is another, another one of those things I really love. I just haven't been doing as much as I want to do. So I'm, right. ho- I'm hoping that talking about it is going to get me inspired <laughs> to do it more. Um, get, the, get the bug for sure. Exactly. So, but right. if somebody's here listening and they're thinking like, yeah, I want to get out there. I don't have much stuff. How do I do this? Let's talk about maybe your gear. Are you a super ultralight guy or are you just kind of middle of the road? But what's your gear look like? No. And to be honest, that's probably like a big misconception is that, is that people that really know what they're doing are ultralighters. That's, that's incorrect. So right. people that are really committed to going ultra light are typically going to be the people that are doing the long trails. And that's not even everybody that's doing the long trails. Right. So what I have found is that people that are um, investing a lot of money in their gear, they'll go really lightweight on the big four items. So, you know, we're talking tent, we're talking sleeping bag, we're talking sleeping pad, and then the backpack itself. So they'll be, I mean, you know, they'll spend over a thousand bucks maybe over $2,000 on those items and they're ultra light. But then what they do is because they shave so much weight in those four areas, they end up tossing all sorts of crazy things in their backpack. Oh, really? <laughs> like anything from, you know, Crocs to, oh, to wow. chairs to whatever. And so their pack weight ends up being sometimes heavier than the people that aren't spending that much money. Oh, so, right. yeah. So I think that, yeah, I think going ultra light, if you're, I mean, I don't know if this is your target audience here, but if you're committed to going for some, epic backcountry trip you want to go to a remote lake hardly anybody's back there maybe nobody's back there and you want to just get you know you want to shave as much weight so you can get there um as easily as possible or go farther than you normally go then that's definitely something to consider but if that's That's not who you are then yeah i don't know if that's what you want to do that's great to know yeah i was kind of I was thinking more a little bit on the lines of, well, the more I shave, you know, especially with the kids, if you got the kids out there hiking, how do we get them? Well, that's probably one way, right? You think of the kids because, you know. If you're, if you're going with your kids, you're not shaving anyway. That's you're true. You're loading up your backpack full of all, well, you know, I all think their it, stuff. When do you expect these kids, you know, to carry their own weight sort of thing? How's that look? Yeah, I think, oh man, it just depends on the kid. Like some kids. Yeah, how do you do it? Now, how old are your kids? So, I mean, my kids are now 15 and 13, so now okay. they can do that. But early on, I mean, I don't know, I've gone with, you know, you always have like friends and like the friends have these, like they're, they're these like super athletes and their kids are super athletes. And so their oh, kids are just like these skinny little, little people and they just load them up with weight and they're just flying down the trail. I'm like, those are my kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it started with like, you know, carry a school backpack. Can you carry your clothes and like a couple toys and your snacks for the day, maybe a little water bottle. And then it kind of upgrades to like, you know, a kid backpacking backpack with a sleeping bag. And then, you you know, same other things. And then you kind of, 
I don't know. I don't know that I'm there yet with like, can you carry a piece of group gear? Like, right. you know, can you carry the stove or a water filter? We're not quite there yet. Right. We're getting there. That's it. Good. So you're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> so on your gear. So yeah. So you're not too worried about, I mean, as far as the gear, it's basically, I mean, obviously shave weight where you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you think are the most important things when you think of the gear? Say you, you obviously, I mean, I'm, I've always been on the other end where my pack's just way too heavy. I seem to bring too much stuff, but it's like, I mean, what's too heavy. Like what, give me a ballpark. How heavy would your pack be? You know, I, I don't even, I mean, I've been on the extreme level. I'm not, because we throw in, you know, the other thing with the fly fishing stuff is you might have a float tube, wading right. boots, I mean, fins, all this other stuff, but I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I've had the extreme of, I mean, God, I don't even know my last, probably like 40 or 50 pound pack rolling okay. into someplace. Right. But you know what we, I mean, when I, so I was just up in the Wind River Range in Wyoming and we passed a ton of people that were, that were fishing. There were a lot of lakes up there and they, I, I mean, they're not bringing this, what, what you just mentioned. I would say their packs, it learned, I don't know what their weight was, but in terms of size, like they were able to to pare it down to like a 65 liter pack or smaller. So I think that's, if you're looking for like a specific tip right there, I would say start with your pack size and, and go from there because like naturally, if you're gonna have a bigger pack and you're done packing, you're like, well, I got space for this. I got space for that. That's what's really going to load you down is you're bringing things you don't need. And I would say that that's tip number one, 65 liters or less. When I see fishing poles, they're not usually inside the pack. They're usually attached to the side of the pack. And so that's not going to, be the issue and you should be able to i i don't know depending upon how 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 far you want to go with the fishing gear like you should be able to fit everything else inside yeah okay so that's good so the 65 liters that's a good starting point so try to stay that that size or lower to keep you from getting too big and what would be a massive like what what would be these giant some pack what's the biggest pack you you've seen out there oh i'm sure they've got i mean like if, if you're growing like hunting packs oh, <laughs> you've yeah. got some pretty crazy ones for backpacking usually they they kind of peak out at 85 liters and that's what I was carrying on family trips. And uh, I think it was last year that I sold it. And I, oh my goodness, I was so happy to sell that pack. I was like, this is a moment in my life where I don't have to carry the big pack anymore. But yeah, they're they're pretty massive. And and on it, like another tip would be like you you mentioned that you're not quite sure what your what your pack weight is, but it's kind of, I mean, unless you're I don't know. For for us, we're always going with a group. It's kind of fun to see, and even the kids like it. Like, you know, bring a pack scale, like one of those luggage scales you can buy them on Amazon. And just weigh the packs. Who's got the heaviest? Who's got the lightest? Um, is the smallest kid or is the weakest person, is the weakest link, so to speak, the person with the heaviest pack? That's not what you want. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, this is awesome. And then, and what do you do? What's your, so you're telling me again, well, you have kids and stuff, you kind of have to have a tent, but what's your, are you like a full kind of four season tent or do you do like the, the poles and shelter sort of thing? What's that look like? Not the, yeah, not the four season, unless we're going to be going in the four season. Yeah. Just like the three season tents. Yeah. Wait, are you, are you more of a, like a tarp person or a yeah. sack? Or what you, well, okay. I mean, I would definitely, we, when we just go camping out, we do a lot of boat, like river trips and stuff. So it's okay. a little bit different. It's kind of like a mix, but, um, yeah, right. we, we tend to just sleep on the tarp. We kind of like sleeping under the stars. Yeah. Oh, if you can pull it off and if there's no bugs, then by all means, yeah, I've definitely done that. And yeah, under the stars is amazing. Just depends upon when you go, like when you're you on go. earlier season. Uh, we probably could have, I don't know. We probably could have pulled that off a couple weeks ago in, in Wyoming, but for sure. Yeah. No, I usually... There's, there's, I don't know, for some people, especially if you're newer to, to camping or backpacking for whatever reason, that like thin nylon sheet feels safe, you know, it's protecting you from whatever crazy sounds you're hearing outside. And so there's just some sort of like solace in that. And so I don't know, I've always kind of stuck with that. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. And what about, we've had a number of bear uh, chats this year. Have, have, you, you, <laughs> have you had any, what's your experience with the uh, bears out there? Have you had any oh guests with stories or anything? Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. I probably have a very, yeah, I probably have a, like a very strong opinion on bear stuff. So I yeah, can go off opinion? on bears. Okay. Oh, first of all, I'll tell you. Okay. So we have a, a guy on our show. His name's Justin Outdoors. He's a pretty big YouTuber and he did a trail called the Great Divide Trail up in Canada. And he had a bear encounter where the bear charged him. And he pulled out his bear spray and got the bear to go away. Oh, so nice. success for wow. him. Yeah. So that being said, I've had plenty of bear encounters specifically in the Sierras where they're just there to take your food. And those are black bears and they're, um, you know, they're, they can climb trees. They can do all sorts of stuff. My very first backpacking trip, we hiked and we like arrived at our campsite and there's, you know, it's not even nighttime and there's like three bears milling about the area. And we're like, oh, I think we're going to have some company tonight. And so I've had plenty, I've had enough of these experiences to know that if you just simply camp in areas that are not the most popular, you're not going to typically attract the bears. Um, and so I don't know, this is a huge topic, but yeah, basically I don't, I prefer not to bring the bear canisters, which are required in the Sierras, but in places that are they're not required, I try not to bring them the kind of the hybrid model is something called an ursac, which, you know, protects your food from critters as well. If I can avoid bringing that, I want to avoid bringing that. There's been an uptick in people bringing bear spray in just black bear territory, and black bears are generally non-aggressive towards humans. And so I don't bring that. And then I think the stat is like, if, if you're in a group of four or more, there hasn't been a death by a hiker from a grizzly bear ever. Right. Ever, anywhere <laughs> in the world. Yeah. So, so if, and I'm usually in groups of four or more, so I don't even want to bring the bear spray. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's kind of the line I'm on too. I think that... Uh, yeah, bears are out there, but I feel like yeah, you got you still have a better chance of getting struck by lightning or winning the lottery than getting, you know, <laughs> even that, you know, like ooh, that's a, oh, that's such right? a good comparison stat. I should look that up. Yeah, yeah. chance. Yes, like There's how does that measure up? That. <laughs> right. Okay. So, but okay, I just shared my opinion. I, I haven't heard all, all the bear stories from your recent shows. Did was there anything that sort of opposed that idea or that? Well, not really. I mean, no. I think that. Um, the bear, yeah. I mean, I think that what we've heard is there's. I think somebody died up in Yellowstone. Somebody was talking about that, right? So there was somebody, and the guys. I think was it the Yellowstone episode? They were talking about how, you know, there's been a number of you know encounters, but again, it's the same thing. It's just like you know, you got. The, I think they had a troublesome bear that was in town, whatever. But no, okay. I think you're right. I think that the the point is is that it's just it's not likely to happen. You're not likely to die, and so the the best thing to do is just like you said, try to avoid it. So if you yeah. can stay away from those places where the bears know that that's where they're going, then do that. For sure. And, and full disclosure, I have like an unhealthy lack of fear of wild animals, so that's probably how I'm going to end up going. Is is a wild animal will get me? Like we had uh, in Yellowstone when my daughter was like one years old, we were camping there, and we had a uh, grizzly bear come into our campsite, and I chased it out of the camp. Oh wow! Threw my daughter in the car, and that's not what you want to do. Like, no. That's bad. Bad advice. Right. That is. That's the wrong <laughs> advice. It works though. Right. Cool. All right. Well, good. So we got the bear, the bear story out of the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as we're going, you know, we're talking about a few things. I'm just curious on your gear because again, I'm thinking about, you know, putting some more stuff together. So what about, what about your mat, your pad? What, what do you go with? I know there's a bunch of different pads out there. Okay. You have a, yeah. Yeah. And, and to be honest, a lot of it with pad is just like your comfort level, your, your, pre it's kind of user preference, to be honest. What if your comfort level, what if you're at this point where, um, you, you know, you're, you were good for the longest time, but as you get a little older, <laughs> you're starting to be like, man, that back, it's just not quite that thin, whatever your pad was, the old right. thermo rest isn't quite working. What, what do you do when you get to that point? 
Wait, is this is this is this your question? Are you asking for a friend on this one? <laughs> no, this, this is just a general audience. Know, you know, I'm just general audience. <laughs> yeah. What if your back sounds good? Um, yeah. Okay. So generally speaking, I still see a lot of backpackers out there that are using like the straight up foam pads, the fold out foam thingies or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And they're those are the least expensive ones. Those are the kind of the budget option. And and they'll still hold the warmth, which is kind of really what the pad's supposed to do besides provide comfort. They're supposed to hold the warmth. They have these like rating systems with R value and measure how into the weeds you want to go on the gear. But but people, are, I mean, there's still like big companies like I think Nemo is making that stuff. And, and I would say, yeah, go with the foam pad if um, if you just are somebody who doesn't want any comfort at all. Those things do like almost nothing. So those are, those are the worst option. Up from there, there's a lot of really great options if you're talking like two and a half to three inch thick pads that um, Thermarest makes and that that Nemo makes as well. And so I'm currently using like a Nemo Tensor insulated pad, which and they and they make them in wide, so it kind of feels like you can kind of roll around a little bit and feel like you're on your your mattress at home. So that works for me. Like you got to do your research on the durability. I've had some pretty good success with it, but I know that there's been been some durability issues. You look at some lighter weight options like with Thermarest, the Neo Air X Lite is is one of theirs. And they they're known for having like the crinkly, the like really loud, like the chip bag kind of sound. And so what they're doing is if you've ever used like an emergency blanket, that like space blanket thing, they literally like have, you know, cut that up and put that inside their pad to provide the warmth. But it just makes for it's, it's super light, but it's just yeah, terrible sounding, which if you sleep like a rock, it doesn't really matter to you. Yeah. But um Oh wow. Yeah, so but those are probably the two leading companies at this point. I know that um, Big Agnes makes some good pads, but the durability has been a bigger issue with them, and and so I don't know that they'd probably be yeah third on my list. Okay, so that's the, and the tech is still like yeah you got the blow in self inflatable that's still kind of the you got that or that foam that's kind of the only two styles. Some of them, yeah, similar, yeah, that, like Thermarest, like that's how they started back in the seventies was like they made this pad that they kind of upgraded from that, that thin foam pad. And they're like, Oh, this happens to self inflate. So this is working for us. But I think since then there's a couple things. So there's, um, yeah, a lot of people are just inflating themselves. The, the Nemo's come with an inflation bag where you connect it to the pad and then you kind of, you just get to blow like, like that, blow some air into there. And then you kind of squeeze the air into the bag, which is kind of not too bad. And then there's a, I mean, if you want to re- really get into some like kind of techie gear, there's a company called Flextail which makes an air pump and you just connect it to the pad and it's battery operated pretty light. I want to say it weighs like three, four ounces. And then it also has like a, I don't know, like a flashlight or lantern kind of light attached to it. So if inflating your pad is not your thing, like there's something for you, basically. There you go. There you go. Luxury <laughs> item, right? You exactly. Luxury item, right? Today's episode is sponsored by Jackson Whole Flight Company. They've been designing and manufacturing fly fishing equipment and flies since 1978 in their home base in Wyoming. In 2020, they launched jhflyco.com and started selling gear directly uh, online to anglers all over the country. You can go ahead and right now and check out their huge selection of uh, rods, reels, fly lines, tools, accessory. Uh, and right now, if you go to jhflyco.com swing, you can get 25% off your first order. Just like Amazon, they'll ship everything directly to your door, saving you time and money. But unlike Amazon, you'll be supporting a great fly shop and this podcast by simply grabbing a few uh, products, maybe just a couple of flies. Check it out. There we go. Get free shipping right now. All orders over $50 and uh, get that 25% off your first order. jhflyco.com slash swing. Okay, back to the show. 
All right, and then what about what about for your um, switching to the boots? Are you are you like a, a running shoe type of guy, or are you wearing a big pair of hiking boots? Um, okay, this is also yeah. You're you're hitting all the hot topics. Yeah. I, li- I love, I'm loving these questions. Yeah. Well, okay, what do you wear? What, what, what do you got? Well, I've been I'm kind of in the so I've got these a solos which I use and they're super well they're pretty rigid. I I, I like them. But they're almost too stiff now. I'm kind of feeling when I put on my hikes, when, when I do just like day hikes and stuff, I love the running shoes. Okay. But I guess I'm a little afraid if I'm carrying a huge pack to do that for a long distance. For sure. All right. So, yeah, the boots, when I first got in a backpack and I was wearing boots, I felt, I think I felt like cool. Like These boots make me look outdoorsy. And so I think I stuck with that for a while. And then I realized, dang, are these things heavy. Right. And so... Aside from the weight, like I forget the ratio is, but it's like one pound on your foot equals five pounds on your back. There's some sort of like weird ratio like that. So you want to reduce the weight on your, on your feet as much as possible. That being said, a lot of it's also dealing with ankle health. So if if you, if you got, you know, terrible ankles, you may need some sort of high top support there. Right. I would say like, like you could probably do a whole episode on proper footwear, but you want a stiff like sole basically if you've ever seen the, sh- the shoes where you can like bend and squish them down, yep. like kind of fold them up, like yep. that's, that's bad for Not you. Good. Not good. Um, bad for foot health. And it's also going to, it's going to cause like foot fatigue. Like your foot is actually working harder per step. So right. if you've ever had like tired feet, yep, it could be from that. And so, okay. um, th- so if you go like the opposite end with a run, like, like, like straight up road running shoes, the problem with those is that the bottom is oftentimes made out of the midsole material. It doesn't have actually like that Vibram type grip on the bottom. And oh, so those will get yeah. torn up really fast. They do. So I did a big event in Yosemite where, um, where I, I, I was like, I'm going to wear red running shoes because this is, this event so important. I don't mind tearing up my shoes because this is like important enough event essentially. And sure enough, like on both shoes, like I, I was peeling some of the rubber off cause they were just kind of flapping around. So so I don't know if that's an option. So the the kind of the middle ground is the trail shoe or the trail yeah, runner. The trail and runner. so yeah, and everybody has you know a different fit and feel with their feet and shoes. I'm currently using the Hoka Speed Goats, hmm. and those have been my favorite so far. They also come in like a high top, like so you can have like a supportive high top version. Okay. The problem with the trail shoes, I don't know how much you know about shoes, but if you look at the colors, they are like every trail shoe is super loud color. It's oh, like, they are like bright orange but like all bright orange not like highlights of bright orange but like the whole thing is you know orange and red or like you know you're walking through the forest people are gonna you know you're not gonna be a hunter people are gonna see you from a long distance away so that's my one gripe about those but honestly um for for comfortable feet i'll I'll put up with it yeah so that's it so i'm love you and you said okay because i switched to i had this running when i was trying to do my marathon well this was back when i was trying to actually run a marathon you know, I was still running. Gotta on, try. Come on, you can't give up. I know, here. I'm not giving up, yeah. but I was trying. Okay. But it was, I was running on concrete and my knees were just, I, I, I think I heard you said you're a basketball player. I was a basketball is my sport. Okay. But, but my knees are like struggle a little bit. But, anyways, I was wearing whatever running shoes and my knees were hurting. I switched to Hoka's. Okay. And instantly it went away. And I haven't really. Yeah. So I've been wearing Hoka's ever since that day. Wow. So, and I don't know if it's just because of the thick thing or whatever, but they just, they work. So I feel like yeah. Hoka, the speed goats might be the perfect thing for me, the transition. I mean, Hoka's, I think now the most popular running shoe out there. At first, it was like it, kind of a niche shoe. Then it was like for old people yep. who had knee problems. That me, <laughs> exactly. That was me. But yeah, it's so funny. That's that, that, that solved the problem. Like that's hard to beat right there to have a shoe do that. It literally did. Yeah, it would be the perfect. I'm still trying to get them on as a sponsor, so we'll, we'll hopefully we'll keep working on it. But uh, okay. yeah, so Hoka, I love Hoka. But yeah, but I think again, it's like the ankle. I've got ankle things too. Again, the you beat yourself up, right? Spraying your ankle from basketball. 
and all these sports, and then you get to an okay, age where okay. Yeah. So you're a basketball guy, so so yeah, we're we're ankle like you know turning your ankle like landing on somebody else's oh, foot. Yeah. Was, okay, so I had terrible ankles by the time I was done with high school, and um, so when I start started specifically trail running, I think I I think I started with like ankle braces, or I even was playing basketball with ankle braces, but. Um, just trail running or hiking, like it will actually, if you, if your ankles can handle it, they'll actually strengthen your ankles and the muscles around your ankles to the point where, um, it actually ends up solving a lot of those issues. Oh, now and what will just doing, just getting out and doing it. Like being on that uneven surface on the trail. Oh, yeah. So right. I don't, you said you mentioned you're kind of getting into trail running. So the more you do that, so eventually, cause I continue to play basketball, you know, beyond high school. And so once I got into trail running, at some point I stopped playing basketball with the ankle braces. And I didn't need them anymore because I wasn't sure my ankle anymore as a result. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. So that's something to keep doing. Use the trail to help you as well. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get back in. I mean, I definitely run. I, I definitely, and, and I'm not, I actually, I'm feeling pretty good. I, it's not one of those things. I'm just always a little bit worried about it, but so good. So we got, we got the shoes knocked out. Now let, let's go to a couple of the other big ones and then we'll, we'll switch over to some other, uh, one other topic. But, uh, so what about sleeping bag? I think that's another thing, right? Um, I mean, I think down sleeping bags, I feel like are the best, but is there anything else out there other than, or do you need to get a down sleeping bag for weight and warmth? Yeah. I mean, it depends on your, your point of view. Like if you're, if you're looking more budget then yeah, maybe stay away from the down bag because that's going to be on the more expensive side. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I've switched over to down because they have, I don't, they treat it now where it's like, you know, the, the big fear used to be, you get it wet. It's going to wreck your night. It's going to be cold and freezing the whole night. But now they're pretty resistant to that stuff. And a lot of them come in these um, water resistant or waterproof stuff sacks. So if, yeah, if I were starting from scratch, I would look at the company outdoor vitals and see what they have because they okay. have some stinking lightweight sleeping bags that, okay, you're still going to spend some money. Yeah. yeah. But they're not going to be like your $600 bag. Right. So, okay. Outdoor yeah. vitals. Nice. If you're looking budget conscious, then maybe more of the synthetics and maybe more of like the REI brand. Or if you're just like, I don't, you know, if you're, I don't like, if you're 20 years old and you're just like, I just want to get out there, they may end up going to Walmart and that'll work too. So sure. it's just heavier. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay, cool. And what other, what other big gear should we add to this list? If we're checking off our, our list and this is great, by the way, I love the, the tips we've had so far. What, okay, what okay. else do we have? Somebody so what, that again, so you're, yeah, so yeah. So you're talking like, so somebody's getting into it. What do they need to know? What, what should they watch out for? That kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and if there's any other gear we should be thinking, if they're going to go do like a, say a multi, a three night, whatever, two or three night, they haven't been out in a while. What should they know? What should they have? Okay. Yeah. So I feel like I got to go, I got to go like mental backpacking list here. So, I mean, a lot of it is conditions and the area you're going and what they require, but if you're talking like the main pieces of gear, so we hit bag pad, we kind of have to backpack size. And then we mentioned tent, um, briefly, I guess. So tents can, as long as you have a waterproof tent, I think you're good to go. There's going to be, you know, a variety of sizes and, a variety of weights depending upon how much you want to spend. But I think the so one key to the tent is like temptation if you're a budget conscious is to be is to go back to Walmart and buy one of their tents or or whatever. If you can find a tent that has aluminum poles, then that's what you want because those fiberglass poles, which you see with the car camping tents, those things break. Yeah, they do so frequently. So don't do that. Backpacking stoves are pretty easy to buy. Like again, Amazon, you can go really entry level with those canister stoves. There's like a BRS stove that goes, I don't know what it is, like 20 bucks now on Amazon. You just literally just screw it on. You can get, you know, bought, I'm sure that they'll sell, they'll kind of combine it with a pot. You get whole cook sets they'll sell together to kind of boil water. And then let's see, then, then you get your water filter. And, and even the, they're even selling good water filters now at, at like the Walmarts. Oh, really? 
Yeah, like the Sawyer. So like the, the top filters would be easy, kind of easy to use would be something called the Catadine B-Free, but Sawyer makes a squeeze filter, which is pretty good. So these are, so you don't have to have a pump. You can actually do the, the just the, what is it? You screw it on the bottle and you can just suck right. through. Is that is that decent? Do they have uh, all that technology now is pretty good where you don't have to actually have a pump? Yeah, the, I mean, the pumps, yeah, pumps pretty, like they're still selling pumps, but they're pretty old school now. I think pumps are more for like larger groups who, and it's just an extra effort. So you can have like the gravity filters where you're just literally scooping water and then it just kind of does the work for you by hanging it from a tree. Um, the bee free is like a squeeze filter where you just kind of scoop the water into a bag and then you squeeze it through the filter into your bottle or, or you can just drink right from it if you want to. And yeah, the filter technology has gotten way, way better for sure. Yeah, it has. Okay. So that, that used to be my, actually my least favorite camp chores, like filtering water or trying to take care of that. And yeah, me too. And now it's, it's not my favorite still, but it's, more handleable. Oh, you're right. Right. It's a little bit better. It's a little better. <laughs> yeah. Those are the, I mean, those are the big ones right there. That is yeah. The big one. Yeah. That's the big stuff. And then what about for food? Uh, what, what do you do for, what do your typical dinners look like out on the, on the trail? Okay. Like, yeah. Entry level would be, so for meals, like dinner specifically freeze dried food. So you're getting, you know, like you can, you can buy those. I've, I've seen them in gas stations. Like you can just buy these packages. Mountain house is like the most famous, but there's been so many other companies that have sort of um, upped their game from the flavors. And so, so Peak Refuels, one of the tops of my list is pretty readily available in most outdoor stores. I, w- I would go with them. And then, I don't know, up, up from there, you could go online and look at places like Pinnacle or Packet Gourmet. All the P words, basically, like they, they all have good options. And then breakfast, I mean, I know a lot of folks are, are you know, it's like coffee, coffee in the morning, you got your oatmeal, you can have a freeze-dried meal if you want to have like some scrambled eggs or stuff like that. and then. I don't know that people really devote a lot of time to lunches. I think it's just mainly just snacking throughout the day, anything from bars and trail mixes to, um, to next level stuff that you might find at some of like the, the health food stores. Moon cheese is one of my favorite items. If you're looking for something specific, that's like a little, like Moon a freeze dried. Yeah. It's like freeze dried cheese. And okay. I don't know, like everybody loves it. I pass it around when I, when I open, it, I don't always get it back. How does that go? So moon cheese, do you have to do anything with it when you open it or how's that work? No, just, you just open it and go. That's good to go. Like a crunchy, they, they, like at my local store, they sell it in the crouton aisle at the grocery store. Oh wow. Moon cheese. This is yeah. awesome. It's a little okay. pricey, but. Um, sure. Sounds like it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So yeah, you're challenging me. You're like, yeah, I've got, great. I'm cycling through everything <laughs> I do and all the major gear on the spot here. And I love, oh, I see it. Yeah. Moon cheese. This is perfect. Okay. Okay. So yeah. moochies. And then what is your, what snacks do you have? What Are you like a trail bar? What do you have when you're, when you're hiking on the trail? Yeah. This is like one of our big debates in our podcast is, um, I call like Snickers bars, energy bars. Right. And, and my buddy calls them candy bars. Yep. I'm like, well, that's what people use. That was like the original, that was like the OG energy bar, right? <laughs> that was, is that what it was originally before, before what was the first trail bar? Was it cliff? No, they no that cliff bar was like an upgrade over the, the original power bar. Oh, the power bar, yeah. The one that was like you had to, ch- I mean, you burn like a hundred calories just eating the thing because it was so, so hard bad. to chew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? Did you ever have one of those? Oh yeah. Well, I, I remember power bars. Yeah, they were they were not good early on. No, no, terrible. I don't know if they're still making them, but anyway. And so I think people were like, I'll just have a Snickers bar. It's got protein with the peanuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, beyond that, like a lot of just I don't know people candy for whatever reason is really big with like the m&m specifically and uh tortillas are actually strangely on the heavier side but people bring tortillas and put everything from like peanut butter in them to like salmon packets to tuna packets to one one of the again another controversial item that i've 
I hear a lot of backpackers bring that I am not willing to go do is uh, bringing the spam. Oh, spam. Ooh. Yeah, you see that? Have you had that before? Uh, I have, but it's been a lot since I was a little kid. Yeah, that's just kind of a... Exactly, yeah, because yeah. that's something from the 80s when people didn't look at the ingredients list. Yeah, what is spam? What What is spam? Spam is what? Uh, it's like like, it's I like don't a know, hot dog? Like, like a, kind yeah, of like it's like a raccoon dog? meat mixed with like squirrel or something and like a mixed bunch together. of salt. Yeah. God, it doesn't <laughs> sound Who good. Who knows? Right, chemicals plus chemicals. Right, okay. So that's <laughs> it. So we got... So we covered a number a number of items here. Let, let's move to I want to talk about some myths or or however we want to talk maybe some myths or tips. So, so you're on the trail. What what is something somebody's going to be thinking about that maybe they're worried about or that maybe they shouldn't be worried about? Like give us some insight on you know they're doing a three day trip. What what might be a something people shouldn't be worried about that maybe they're thinking about? Okay, so the big I mean the the big three like if you're if you're talking like myths related specifically to like fears almost is. Um, you're inside your tent and you hear a rustling in the bushes. Right. All right. And it freaks you out. The myth is that like whatever that thing is, is going to come into your tent and attack you, whether That's it's right. something big, something small. Chances are it's just like a rabbit or a chipmunk rolling around or whatever. It's not usually anything big and it's not going to get you. And so the closest I've personally ever had to something, it's not trying to get me, but we had, when we were in the glacier, just that same trip I was referencing before the podcast, we had our backpacks inside the vestibule of our tent. And in the middle of the night, something started yanking the backpacks out. Oh, from the wow. Vestibule. <laughs> and I was like, this is a new experience. Damn. And it was, uh, it was deer. Oh, wow. Deer. Yeah. For whatever reason, deer in that park love to chew on the shoulder straps and get the salt. Oh, man. Yeah. And I would have never guessed that. And so we had to like fight off deer the rest Damn. of the night. But- Did you really? Wow. But they weren't coming into our tent, so it wasn't like we we're going to get attacked. Like worst case scenario, we have like a torn up bag. But yeah, so fe- yeah, your fear. I don't know. I, I I was joking with some like CEOs of companies, like, hey, if you guys could come up with some sort of app where you could just record the sound outside your tent and it could tell you exactly what it was, like you'd make a lot of money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's coming. That's for sure. The, the, a, the AI <laughs> AI is going <laughs> right. to do everything. You know right. what I mean? That's right. Chat GPT sounds. Yep. So, um, anyways, that's number one. Number two is, um, you're going to run out of food, mm, right? So people yeah. tend to way overpack food. And unfortunately there's no, I wish there was a formula for how much food you need. Obviously not only is everybody different, but everybody's trip is different. And so yep. you might have a really hard trip where you need more food or a really easy trip where you're like, I'm not even hungry for dinner. Right. And so it just depends. But yep. typically no matter what happens, I would say uh, most people, I would say, I don't know, 95% of the people are going to end their trip with extra food. Yeah, that's right. So that's something. So calm down with the food base is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, food, food's not to work. And what, what is your food? Like, how do you decide if you were going on a, like, say, a, a three-night trip, how would you decide how much food to bring? Other than you got your dinners, like just the other stuff. Right. Loosely looking at calories and, like, difficulty of the trail. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll portion it out. So I have, like... I'm a Ziploc bag guy. I, I reuse them, FYI, for those of you who are against the single-use plastic stuff. But um, I'll, I'll label them like day one, day two, but whatever the last day is, I'll combine that with the, you know, like so if it's a three-day trip, for example, I'll have a bag that says day two slash three because typically your last day is a little bit easier or you're going to end, the, you know, you're ending the day at a restaurant. And yeah. so you don't have to pack as That's much. Right. But I'll loosely look at the calories and kind of gauge that with what, you know, with what the trail looks like. The only time I've ever had an issue, strangely, was recently 
where we were misinformed about the difficulty of the trail where not only was the distance harder, but just like, you know, it was essentially like an off trail hike. And so, which adds a lot of um, calorie burning. And so we were so misinformed that we had a group of eight guys and I think five of them actually ran out of food on uh, the, the third of four days. Mm, wow. And that's never happened before. So that's so rare. I, like it wouldn't change anything I would do differently in the future. It just was crazy that that happened and it just came down to trail Intel. So there's that. Right. So food was number two. Um, Third one, last one I got, you said, you said what was it, gear? Was it myths miss on yeah, the trail? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Would be um, the reason why a lot of folks' packs are like needlessly heavy is because they're bringing too much water. Oh, water. Right. So, okay. So, how much water would you start off with on a day hike, backpacking trip, whatever? Yeah. I would just have, usually what I do is I, I switch this up too, but typically I'll have like a, you know, a camelback. And, you know, usually I might have a, I don't know, one liter, two liter there. And then I always have a little bottle that's just my extra in case I drink through that. So I, I go overboard on the water, but I'll usually have, might have another liter of water there too. Okay. Yeah. And I think that if you're going over two liters, you're definitely on the heavy side, unless you know something about the trail, like there's not going to be a lot of water sources, yeah. but typically people are stopping frequently enough, you know, next to streams. You just got to be aware of what the trail has to provide. Like, are there going to be streams, lakes, whatever you can filter from? it's more efficient to carry less water and filter more frequently than the opposite. Like right. you might move faster by carrying more water and having to filter less, but you're burning a lot more calories and you're going to get a lot more tired by the end of the day as a result. Yeah. So, right. Right. So a liter. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you have a liter of water that should get you, how do you do it? Do you, do you have, is that typically you try to stay under the two liters? Yeah. I'm typically like, a, I'm usually on the light side to be honest. So I'm usually like at a liter and a lot of folks are moving away from the like the water reservoirs in your backpack because you don't know how much water you have left. Yeah, that's the problem, right? There's so many. There's like there's like ten issues with it. So you don't know that. Um, the lightest of them weigh five ounces versus like a smart water bottle weighs less than an ounce. So if you're comparing weight, I don't know if you have this issue, but you have the hose with the bite valve, right? And you put your pack down, no matter how stinking careful you are at putting your pack down, that bite valve ends up in the dirt so frequently. And it's just, ah, it's super annoying. It does. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. And then. Yeah. Oh, and the smart water bottle. So talk about that. So this is a, yeah. is this just your kind of like recyclable bottle or what is this thing? Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's just like a grocery store. Like, you know, it's the brand smart oh, water. Oh, just smart bottle. water. Yeah. Yeah. Just smart yeah, water. Yeah. They make them in the store and yeah. And they're totally recyclable. Like I use them for multiple trips. They just, they're like, as compared with like the crystal geyser bottles that are super crinkly, like this yeah, is destroy. Yeah, yeah. These are like thicker than those totally. enough yeah, to, to withstand. Yeah, that's right. To withstand stuff, but they're not gonna. Um, yeah, so that's where you get down these little ounces. That's where you get down this thing where it's like a Nalgene bottle is just gonna weigh more. It's right. That's the whole thing. Nalgene will weigh six point seven ounces empty. I'm telling you straight up. Yeah, and a smart water bottle under an ounce. So under an ounce, right? So there you yeah. go. And, and, that, and, then, and that's the thing. Six point. These all these ounces really just add up. Right? I mean, that's the whole yeah, point yeah, here. And and a, and a Nalgene bottle, especially when you're driving, you're gonna spill on yourself. Let's yeah, I hate the Nalgene. <laughs> Nalgene. Well, they do make the smaller ones, right? But the but they the do, normal. But they're big, not as popular. Yeah. No, and the big size just doesn't fit anywhere. It's crazy. It doesn't fit, and then I just feel like I like hit a bump or something, and the water goes all down my shirt. Yeah, and it's too all big. The time. Right. The the mouth yeah. holes. Well, back in the day when they had the I can't remember the filter, but there was filters that would screw onto that wide thing. All right. Did, yeah. Oh, all they all did. Yeah. So it yeah. seems like since I mean that's nobody's really doing that as much anymore. So you don't need the wide mouth anymore. Right. Right. And cool. yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So we're talking also, so you've been doing this a while. What was your, like, how long, how long ago was your first hike? When did you get into your, this back? I can't remember on the, remind me again on the dates. 
Uh, okay, so I think first backpack trick was 1995. Okay, yeah. So there you go. So so it's, yeah, you've been definitely in there. So a lot has yeah. changed. 95. I mean, literally almost 30 years. You can look back and say you've seen some changes. I mean, what does that look like overall in the in the outdoor product in you know gear industry? Yeah, I mean, I yeah actually. And I worked at REI not oh, too long yeah. after I started back. Oh, yeah, cool. so I was I was selling all this stuff, and it's funny because I'll see some of this old stuff at like garage sales, and be like, "Oh, I can tell you exactly when this was made." But um, yeah. So I mean, in terms of yeah, like the technology is now kind of going light years beyond where where people are realizing you know they want to carry less weight, but you're also seeing like an uptick in luxury items. So people are loving bringing ultralight chairs. Oh, I know. I love a chair. Not, yeah. 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 So so like the one pound chairs is. For some people, like that's their luxury item, right? One pound chair. So, how many? And we're talking about this other, these other, like a water bottle. How many of these smart water bottles would it take to equal to one of those chairs? <laughs> a lot. If they're yeah, empty, lot. if they're full, you're talking like one full smart water bottle is double the weight of. Is that right? Yeah, double the weight because eight pounds a gallon. So you're talking like two liters or two quarts or whatever is going to be. Yeah, is going to be. What is that? I don't know. I'm not good. You're, you're way better at math than me. So yeah. So one, okay. No, well, I'm on the spot. I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the it. podcast, but yeah, so one liter or one, yeah, it's a liter, but which is similar to a core is going to be two pounds. So you're talking like one full water bottle is going to be the same as, as a, you know, two of your chairs essentially. Oh, okay. There you go. So you can bring a chair and a stool. Oh, wow. Shave down the weight there. Yeah. So these, and the last chair that I had was the Thermarest used to have a, you could throw it inside one of like the chair kit. The kit, yeah, I still have one of those. Yeah, sure. they, they, those are, uh, but so what is the typical? So what's the, if you're going to buy a chair, what's the recommendation there? Uh, ooh, okay, so like Helinox is kind of known industry standard for the chairs. I, I actually just broke mine on the last trip. And so I've, I've been dealing with them. I'm curious like how they're going to, mm. you know, he- either Helinox, replace. okay. Helinox, yeah. Curious how they're going to like replace the broken part or, um, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I, I don't have an end of that story basically, but yeah, but they're kind of industry standard. They were the first ones to come up with the one pound chair. REI has their own, but it's not as comfortable. You can go like two pound chairs on Amazon, which are more comfortable, but they're obviously two pounds. And then next year, 2024, Nemo is coming out with the chair and they have a, a setup. So this is kind of a weird thing, but like, if you think of um, like your camp chairs or, or whatever, they have these little, you know, the legs oftentimes will sink into the ground. And that's what actually actually can cause them to break because you get up too fast or you lean on them. And so Nemo's got a setup where we're part of their stuff sack for the chair you put under the feet so that it doesn't sink in, I think is their technology. That's yeah. cool. That's a good idea. I don't yeah. know if I'm supposed to say that because it's not, it's not out yet, but sure. too bad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Daddy Flies, established in 1928, is the oldest family-run fly shop in the world. And you know I'm all about the history and fly fishing, which is one reason I'm super stoked to have Deddy on as a sponsor this year. Long before I made my first order with Deddy, I remember hearing stories about the quality and the history and always wanting to connect deeper with them. So that time has come now, and I share the Deddy tradition with you. Located in Livingston Manor on the banks of Willow Weemock Creek, Deddy is your welcoming place on the creek or online. Their retail and online shop have a large selection of flies, materials, fly gear, outdoor lifestyle items, books, and more. Deddy Fly's inventory consists solely of products that meet every angler's demand for highest quality and service. Of course, they offer fly fishing and casting lessons as well as guided trips. 
For more information, visit Deddy Flies at wetflyswing.com slash Deddy or give them a call 845-439-1166. That's wetflyswing.com slash Deddy, D-E-T-T-E. You support this podcast by clicking over through that link to Deddy. Okay, let's get back to the show. Well, I, again, we, we're doing good on this. So we, we've touched on a bunch of products here. It feels like we got we could probably do a full trip. Um, what else would you tell somebody who is going out there? It's been a while, and they want to get and do one of these multi trade. Any any other words of advice from a from a guru? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, yeah, I would say if you are the kind of person who I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somebody who is excited to do these other adventures you're probably somebody who's going to research when you get on youtube or listen to other podcasts and i would just say be careful about who your source of information is because everybody has their own bias and a lot of folks come across as like the authority or the expert on something like we know what's going on right. here's what we do and i guess i've i've honestly tried to come across that way to kind of sound smart enough mm-hmm. on this show to, sure. to make it worth me being on the show but like our podcast specifically, I think appeals to people because we highlight all of our mess ups. Like we're constantly like goofing up and making mistakes and forgetting things and, and making essentially rookie mistakes, even though we've been doing this forever. And I think that that makes it feel more achievable for, for the folks out there. They're like, Oh, well, if if these goofballs can do it, then certainly I can do it. And so I, I just don't want folks to find somebody out there who makes it seem like such a big deal or so hard, or you have to know so much that it's just it's like a mountain that's literally too big to climb. Yeah. So just, just be careful with kind of where you're sourcing your information, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's great advice. No, I think that's where the podcast is awesome because I mean, the way we do it, like right now, I'm bringing you here. Yeah, you know, you are the expert today, right? That's what's great. But but I'm you trying know, to pretend to be one. Yeah. No, you're doing great. I mean, you got <laughs> 200 episodes of you know. What I mean, you've talked to 200 more people than most people about all these, and obviously, you've given us tons of great tips today. But I think that's what the podcast is great is that I'm not an expert in fly fishing. You know what I mean? So most of the guests I have on in fly fishing are super way above my level. And and you can listen, right? You can listen to an hour and, and you can figure it out if that person is legit. Right. You know I mean, people can fake it. Some people could probably fake it. But most, I think when you hear somebody talk for an hour, it's pretty obvious to hear if that guy's but What would you yeah. say about that? You think that's true with your 250 guests? Have you ever had a, have you ever yeah, had a we, oh, That's a great question. We, we, we're pretty careful about who we bring on. Somebody talking nonsense, like if, and if somebody you know, there might be somebody who actually knows what they're talking about, but they give a bad tip, for example, and we're not going to let that slide. So we'll usually point that out or, or poke, poke fun at it. Or, I mean, I, the fun thing about our show is that like, we'll have the guest on and then we'll have the reaction. So we can kind of like, not really talk about it behind their back because they're going to end up hearing it, but just, we can, we can kind of like process through what they said and then react and be like, wait a second, like this is nonsense. But if we yeah, if we had somebody who was on that was really not no yeah, I think I would just end the show. Like, right. what do you do? How do you how do you handle that? Yeah, well, it's pretty cool because I have, I mean, in all these episodes, I'm trying to think. Have we had? I mean, there must be somebody in there. I just can't remember. I think that you know, I I don't judge Roy to be honest with you. When I have somebody, come, I mean, if it's a legit thing, I know is wrong. Yeah, I would call it out. But for the most part. I let people talk. I mean, there's sometimes even like politics, you know, we try to avoid talking about politics yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, religion and stuff like that. But occasionally it comes up and I feel like, you know what, it's my job as the host to give them, this is their platform. Right. And if they're being safe and stuff, then, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like rip them down. I just feel like I'll let people listening judge 
So I kind of take that, that route yeah. a little more, you know what I mean? But I feel also that people in the outdoors for the most part are kind of on the same page. I mean, most people, I for think. For the are, most part. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got an example. This is something that, okay. So this literally, I just did the, the interview yesterday. So this is for our upcoming episode coming out, whatever. I don't know what this episode is, but um, so you can, you can process through how you would handle the situation. So he was talking about how he was, this guy was talking about how he was camping at a trailhead. And he had some like rodents or some sort of animal get inside his car and just tear up his car oh, and get into his food. Yep. And I was like, well, come on, man. You're not supposed to leave the windows down. Right. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We didn't leave the windows down. We double checked. Our car was like airtight sealed. I'm like, okay, great. How did the animal get inside the car? He's like, I don't know. must have gotten in through like the air vents. I'm like. What animals getting in through the air vents? Like, I don't like. There's mice around. I don't know. Right. So I can't like on the spot. I'm not going to like start Google searching. Can mice come in? Through right. The air so how do, how do you handle that situation? Yeah. What would you say to that? I guess on that. Show? That's a good question, right? So the guys call. So literally, I mean, I'm thinking, and yeah, you got mice in your car. That's legit because yeah, how would the mice get in? There's got to be. I mean, unless they chewed a hole, it's something that's already there, probably. Yeah, or they left the window down and you didn't want to say it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what I say. I think I would just, I probably, with me, I would probably just be like, I would just, yeah, let him say what he's going to say. And okay. then maybe I would call it after it got too crazy. But if it was right. just that, I probably wouldn't worry about it. And I'd just be like, move on. The I try to, when things get boring on the show or if something's going on where I feel like I'm getting bored or something's a little weird, I'll just totally switch the topic and just go to something totally random. Because okay. I feel like that's my cue to be like, all right, we need to switch like this mix up. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah. So I yeah. kind of do that. And then we also do a little bit of editing, you know, I mean, just to clean up. So there are times when if somebody said something weird, we might, we could cut that out. Oh, I do that all the time for sure. Yeah. 100%. But yeah. So what I did was like, and I had a strong enough report to do this with the guy. I don't know if I do this with everybody, but I just said, I said, yeah, are you believing this? Kind of asking the audience, like, do you believe what he's saying? Please, please react. Please right. let us know. <laughs> oh, because you're live? Are you, do you do yours live? Uh, it wasn't, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it live, but I'm yeah. like having, we're also on YouTube and yeah, so I'm saying, because you have the YouTube. Yeah. So they can, they can literally react sort of live, I guess we're not big on YouTube, but, um, I mean, 99% are on the audio apps, but people will still reach out through like social media or whatever and be like, yeah, I'm not buying a story. Like mice can't get through this. Right. And so I'll just, I'll put it out to everybody. So like in sort of like a, that's good. A passive aggressive way. I'm calling him a liar, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, it's good. And I think that's fun. I mean, again, if your guest is getting mad at that, then yeah, it's probably, you know what I mean? Some, something's probably wrong with him, but I think that... Yeah. Well, he, we, had the, we had the report for that. You don't always... Yeah, you got to feel him out a little bit, I suppose. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Man, good question. I like that. Yeah, good. So what else do we have? Well, let, let's do... Let's take it out of here. We typically okay. have a kind of our shout out segment that, that we're... Th this one's going to be our conservation shout out. So I'm going to... I'm going to do a shout out to one of our conservation partners. Then we're going to head into our rapid fire round. Um, and then we'll, then we'll take it out of here in a few minutes. So, so today we've been, so we got the Henry's Lake foundation is our conservation shout out today. We, we tried to, we, we've got an upcoming uh, trip we're doing out to that part of Idaho. Uh, we're going to be doing some stuff on the podcast with them to kind of promote some of that, but tell me this, who, who I'm not sure if you're big into conservation, but do you have a group or somebody you would give a shout out to, or somebody you support out there or know of, you know, in your area or around the country? Ooh, uh, yeah, I'm more, yeah, I, yeah, that's a good question. And maybe conservation is the right word. It could, it could be like, yeah. uh, you said, you said, uh, John Muir. And I, I think of some of the, you know, what, what are the, what's the giant, like the, um, I mean, there's like the Sierra club, but I mean, there's all these giant groups I'm sure that are doing this amazing stuff out there. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm more local, so I don't know how relevant it is, but yeah, we've got, I mean, for, for me, we have like 
literally up the street because we have the kind of the local trails here in Castro, Colorado. We get the Ridgeline Wranglers. So they're always the ones cleaning up the trail and doing the trail oh, yeah. maintenance. What's it called again? The Ridgeline Wranglers. Oh, cool. Ridgeline Wranglers. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I really need to join them. I just kind of do my own thing when I'm out in the trail in terms of just kind of, you know, maintenance and picking up trash and this and that, but they do a lot more than me. So I, I appreciate them for sure. Perfect. All right, good. So on your title, the the blister part. So how'd you come up with that? Uh, it, was that your co-host, you guys, you know, backpacking in blisters? Have you had some blisters? Backpack. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we tried to come up with something like I had these crazy names and my buddy's like, that's too complicated. Let's just keep it simple. And he was right. And so, so we used to have this tagline. We ended our episodes like it's not backpacking unless there's a few blisters along the way. Right. And then that kind of, you know, you know how like, I'm sure oh, yeah. like with your podcast, it kind of morphs over time. And yeah, so, it does. So we've had episodes on blisters and this and that, and we talked about like his, my buddy's big trip, which was kind of like a big moment in his life where we, we call it the death march. He got so many blisters and was able to push through, which is kind of for oh, him, it was a big God. moment, I suppose. So I know a lot of blister connections. I don't know. Have, have you had, have you ever oh, had yeah. issues with that? Yeah, I, I always <laughs> go back to this, the snake river. We did the hell's Canyon trip one year okay. and it was so, it was so pathetic because i mean it was literally one of those things where i bought a pretty new pair of boots didn't break them in enough right right. another right, friend right. had did the same thing and we yeah we hiked it was like down into the bottom down to the snake river and it was hotter it was like you know super hot we ran out of water funny thing was is that we had tons of blisters my feet were just wasted then there's this mm. one dude i remember from montana he's like a friend of a friend he was wearing running shoes the whole time like in shorts and right. he, he was just totally happy he's he he fine just cruising <laughs> i don't even think he wore socks i think he was just cruising yeah he's one of those guys he was just this extreme dude but so okay so we got the blisters and what about basketball so let's hear about this so you played high school basketball what what position yeah uh, i was like i don't know what it was i probably like the the power forward guy we didn't have we didn't have a super tall team i think i think i was six i'm six foot three so okay yeah 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 you got some positions yeah do you i was point guard Oh yeah. Yeah, I was point. I was yeah, more I, of a right. yeah, I'm like six foot, but I mean okay. I you know, I've always been like ball and shooting. But yeah, I mean I love that. Six three. I mean, you're in that range of uh I mean, you know, there's some famous NBA players that were six three. Right? I know, yeah. I was I was always hoping to be six three and like I grew up watching Magic Johnson. I was oh, like, yeah. so I always wanted to to be him. And yeah, he was your hero, Magic. He was my childhood hero for sure, yeah. like no doubt. Not he Jordan. Was, Not Jordan. No, like yeah, I mean I lived in California at the time and so the, the you know, the games were always on. And there, I don't know if there's been a guy like him. Like, not only was he doing all like the trick passes and stuff, he yeah. just had that like gregarious personality where he's just like, I know he he just like loved everybody and was so fun to be around. I was always smiling, and yeah. I was like, man, I wish we had more people like that out there. Yeah, do do you keep up with basketball now, NBA? Um, not as much. Like when I hit my 40s and I couldn't play as much, I kind of dialed it back. And then when all those players started kind of forming the super teams, it wasn't quite as much fun. Mm, I know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I stopped watching like, I don't know, mid to late 90s. Where, where are you with basketball now? Yeah, I pretty much, I mean, gosh, when I, my first kid was born, really, gosh, it's, I mean, almost like 11 years ago, um, mm-hmm. I pretty much just figured like I don't have a lot of time for sports. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like it was <laughs> that. Pick and choose. Yeah, so I, you know, and I played my whole life and, uh, but it's weird because you think about it. I remember, I always go back to the story with my dad because he was kind of like a semi-pro, you know, basketball player and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, he had these okay. high school tournaments that he used to do, which is crazy to think now because when he was, I think he was in his mid-50s, they would do these reunion tours back in his high school. And so like the class of, you know, whatever, like 59 would play the class of, you know, the 70. But he really? was, yeah, he was playing. It was, these were full on competitive games. So into his fifties, okay. 
you know, he was playing competitively and I, and now I'm not even 50 yet. And I, I, there's no way I'm running a full court game against like guys that are battling right now. Yeah. I think, I mean, fitness wise, I feel like I could probably keep up Yeah, and and probably you too, if you're running, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. When I go to the, you know, doctor or the physical therapist and I'm talking to them about some of the stuff they see with guys my age, they're like, Oh, it's just guys playing basketball that think they can do what they used to be able to do. And so it's just, they're, you know, jumping and landing and yeah. Oh, that's cutting it. And yeah. So yeah. I don't know yeah, for yeah. sure. That's what I'm more, I'm most afraid of that. Just that you, you take the cut, you roll the right. ankle, you do the knee and now you're out. Now you can't hike. You can't, can't do fish. anything. Yeah. yeah. For, so for that's, sure. That's kind of the thing, but <laughs> did you play in college at all? No, no, no. I wasn't. That was the thing. I wasn't quite, I mean, I was, I played high school. Right. So that was my thing. My dad, again, go back to the dad. He was literally was college. They went to the tournament, okay. you know, back in the, yeah. this was in the, what would this be like? He was born in 39. So this would have been late fifties or something like that. Okay. But, but yeah, you know, so again, I think, um, I wasn't quite there. My brothers were a little bit better. I have a few brothers and they were definitely went to college and did some okay. stuff but um gotcha yeah yeah cool all right so we got all the right. we got the basketball question so what's your okay. so what your big goal so hiking wise you know do you have a big goal big trip do you have my are you thinking you said you get five or six trips and do you always think like okay this is the next big one i gotta get in yeah that's yeah this again it's probably a bigger question so i mean i think it, you know i guess guys I would hope, you know, our fellow adventurers out there would have something on their list, whether it's their bucket list or something that they're looking forward to. I just literally finished one of my big ones. Like that was the Yosemite Trails referencing. So I don't know how, how deep you want me to go. But yeah. How many story, miles was that? Um, so it was 50 miles. So, okay, here, look, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the kind of the quick rundown. So that 1995, when I started backpacking, my second trip was this trip in Yosemite called Red Peak Pass. We, um, it's a big pass in the middle of Yosemite. It's very remote. Hardly anybody goes back there. And so we got to the top of the pass. We're, you know, we're new backpackers. We don't know what we're doing. We look over the side of the pass. We see the north facing slope is literally covered in snow. We do not have the skills to do this. So we had to turn around. Oh, wow. Okay. 10 years later, I got my buddy Derek now and a couple other guys. And, we're, and I'm like, hey, this is a five day backpacking trip, 50 miles. I want to do this in three days. We're in our late 20s. This is Derek's death march, which I referenced. I'm kind of connecting the dots here. So we pull it off, and it becomes this epic story. We, we're always referencing it. 2015, we do the reunion, the 10-year. It takes us like three and a half days. We're older now, right? And so my buddy, another buddy of mine and I are like, you know what? It's like we're always looking to go big. We want to do this Red Peak Pass trip in one day. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we're trying to do this as like a kind of a trail run power hike. Yeah. Here. Damn. Yeah. 50 miles. So 2020 rolls around. We train for it and um, my body just breaks down. Right. So I, I'm training and I'm trying to be able to do it and I just have to pull out. I can't do yeah. it. Because that's like an ultra, right? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 But it's not, yeah. but, but it's unsupported. So you, like you've got to bring all your, your stuff, your water filter, all that stuff. So anyway, so in 2020, we... Um, so I pulled the plug, but my two other buddies, they still want to go do it. And, but they're not the trip planners. So I, I mean, I, I bet you are, are kind of like a leader in your group or in your family yeah. where you're the one who's in charge, you know, what's going on. Yeah. When you take that guy out of the mix, like chaos, right? Right. <laughs> and so, so they go, I, I give them everything they need, but they're just not as equipped. They don't know how to read the map as well. They didn't bring an emergency beacon. It ends in a search and rescue phone call. Jeez. And so, um, 
so my body was, was, was broken for years until this year. I was like, I want it. I want, like I failed. I want to do this. And so this was the big year where I was like, this is my last shot. So we, so we literally just did it a few weeks ago in Yosemite. And so that was that, I mean, that's been like, you know, however long years coming. Yeah. Where finally I get to do it. My body didn't break down through the training process this year. So wow. that, that's kind of my big, so yeah, you that's ask amazing. a small question, I give you a big answer, but that's amazing. That's a, yeah. that's a great answer. So, so we, wow. Yeah. So you did 50 miles in, in how many hours? Oh, it took forever. Yeah. We had, so at, in California, like they had that, the crazy winter. Oh yeah. They had a lot big winter, right? Yeah. So when I was flying into California, I'm looking down over the Sierras, I'm seeing, Hey, that's covered in snow <laughs> exactly the same way as the first time. And so it just took us forever. And, and yeah, all, there's, I don't know. So it's a long story, but basically it ended up taking us like 20 hours to do it. So, God. um, we had a safety crew out there cause we didn't want, you know, we, we took precautions. We had, a filmmaker who's made some outdoor films who, who hiked in with us for the first 10 miles that slowed us down, but we got some amazing footage. So we're going to put together a, a documentary for it. So, Oh, cool. And what, what do you have a name for the documentary? Uh, I'm open to suggestions if you got one. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't right now, but this is good. Okay. And <laughs> no, when will this documentary we're, we're in the beginning stages for sure. Okay. And how long will this take to get out there? Oh, I, probably, I don't know. Years I'm guessing. Too. Yeah. A few, a few, no, just a few months. We're not, oh, we're not professionals. Months. Yeah. Okay. Probably, probably, yeah, by winter time. We'll, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So by the time this goes live, yeah, well, this year sometime we can check it out. Okay. Well, we'll send. And where should we go for that? Will this be on your website, on your YouTube channel? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, probably on our YouTube channel. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it ends up being good. Like the guy, the, the filmmaker's legit. So he actually got some really good footage. So if we can up our game a little bit, great. I don't want to, you know, get over my skis with stuff or anything, but um. I don't know. At this point, it's probably going to end up on YouTube, if I'm being honest. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks for, thanks for asking, man. Appreciate it. Good, man. All right. Well, and and as you look ahead, so I guess that's it. I mean, I just want to leave it there. I I, I don't want to, I mean, 50 miles, that seems like, that's just, uh, I, that's a lot, I, yeah. I can't imagine, right, planning for yes, that. Yes, you that can. Seems... You're were, you were training for a marathon. So imagine well, like doing that, but you get to walk for a good I chunk of it. I was trying to. I was trying to. I know. Okay. So I think that's the goal. I, but here's the, here's the call to action, everybody. What is your 50-mile day trip, you know, for, for the people listening, right? For me, maybe it's that marathon. I think maybe I need to try to, you know, I think everybody needs something. Yeah. Right. I think it's good to have a goal. Yeah. Let me, okay, Dave, what's, yeah. What, okay. You could do one marathon. Yeah. One in you. Yeah. Which one do you want to do? Yeah. Which one would I want? God, you know, I haven't done enough research to know. I was kind of starting when I did, I was like, well, I was going to do start with like the Portland Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, basic and then try to go for the next big one, the Boston marathon or something like that. But there's probably some cool marathons out there. And again, trail running, I would probably rather do a a full giant trail run marathon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's more scenic. That would probably be what I would want to do. And I haven't done enough research. I think really it was such a, a, a failure. The, the first time I think I need to start small and be like, okay, let's get some new shoes. Maybe I'll get those. What were the Hoka's? The Hoka um, trail runners? Oh yeah. The speed goats. Yeah. yeah speed I, w- goats. I would get those for backpacking. I don't know about. Oh, so you went, right, right. So you wouldn't want to run those. Yeah, yeah. No, for training for sure. I would, but if I was like, that's what I was talking about with, with like, I'm like, this is my big event. So I'm, I'm going to use road shoes. And I don't care if I tear them mm, up. But, yeah. Yeah. Tear them up. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. That's interesting. So, okay. So you, okay. So this goes back to like a big issue with why I only had one buddy go on our trip. So let me ask this question. So you wanted to do a marathon. You had your knees were hurting. You weren't able to do it. Is it eating at you to do a marathon? Is this something you uh, have to do? Not real. It's not that big of a, there's so many things like, like, especially with the traveling, I would much rather travel, okay. do a bunch of, you know, a big trip around the world. Oh yeah. Than sure. do a marathon, you know? Okay. So it's not that high. I think more for me, it's health. You know, I just mm-hmm. want to stay healthy. Right. And I feel like having goals like that to keep you 
you know, with a goal, it keeps you healthy, keeps you running. Yeah. The smaller goals kind of the, the bigger thing. Yeah. But this yeah, is a question you know I ask people because I had a buddy who's like, he failed in 2020 and he wasn't interested in 2023. And I was like, right. Why not? Like if you yeah. fail at something, I know, doesn't that make you want, if, if it's something you feel like it's achievable, doesn't that make you want to try again? Yeah. And most people say yes, but not everybody. It's not, no. not true for no. everybody. I think that I think, no, it's a good point. I think I would, I would definitely, I think just where I'm at, maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe in a few years, but I think right now I'm kind of thinking, okay, what else do I want to do? I've, we got a big travel program going, which has taken up a lot of time, but right. um, yeah, I'll, I'll stay on. There's also, uh, you probably haven't heard of it, but there's this uh, company out there that's doing fly fishing and trail running and beer drinking. That's that's the okay. program they do. They have well, actually in Colorado. I think there's one in Colorado. I can't remember the name of it, but okay. you might want to you might want to check it out. So you you uh, learned or you, you fly fish and you run like a a five k, and you drink beer at the end. I so. think I have heard of that. Actually, yeah. that's funny. You mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll have to look so it up. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. man. Well, I'm going to be asking about your marathon either way. Whether you want to do it or not, I'm going to be bugging you yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Hit me up. Let's circle back around in a while. We'll we'll check okay. back in with you, but. Let me just leave that here today. I want to say thanks, you know, for what you're doing with the podcast out there. I love that you're still going strong, you know, Likewise. after all these years. And and we again, now we got to keep ourselves accountable because we start at the same time. So That's right. <laughs> if one of us drops off, we can we can keep, you know, have a check there. But yeah, thanks for all your time today, Carl. Uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. And thank you so much for having me on. This is a lot of fun talking to you. Really appreciate it. That is a wrap. You can grab all of the show notes at wetflyswing.com. And please follow us on Instagram and share this episode out with someone you love. Please send me an email, dave at wetflyswing.com if you have any feedback or want us to put together an episode on this podcast for you. Check in anytime. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and would love to meet up with you on the water. We have new fly fishing schools going all year long and all around the country. So if you want to connect, let's do it right now. All right, time to get out of here. I hope you have a great evening. I hope you have a great morning or great afternoon wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping by and checking out the show today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.